0: What do real-world studies about anticoagulants tell us about treating atrial fibrillation in patient populations beyond the cohorts we see in randomized clinical trials? And what can we glean from these findings to improve patient care with anticoagulants? Doctors Sean Picorni and Emily P. Zeitler consider these questions as they examine real-world evidence for anticoagulants alongside a complex patient case in this episode of Critical Conversations on Atrial Fibrillation, a Masterclass Series.
1: So glad that you've tuned in to episode six. Is that realistic? What we've learned about anticoagulation therapy for atrial fibrillation from real-world studies. In this episode, we're going to compare the efficacy and safety for DOACs and warfarin based on findings from clinical practice and discuss how these findings can inform treatment decisions and clarify the role of anticoagulant therapy in specific populations, such as patients with non-valvular atrial fibrillation complicated by obesity or cancer or who are frail. And so what we know is that the percentage of randomized clinical trials that would be feasible to replicate through an analysis of administrative claims is actually quite small. It's important to understand how similar or different those patients might be.
2: And in order to do that, Sean, I'm going to give you a case. I want to see what you have to say about this. Um, We have a 68-year-old man. He's got type 2 diabetes and class 2 heart failure. He's got um, a creatinine of 2.25. He has hypertension, and his BMI is 42. He now has new onset atrial fibrillation, which occurred while he was undergoing brachytherapy and hormone suppression for prostate cancer. No prior stroke no prior embolic event, no liver disease, prior bleeding, or previous history on uh, Coumadin. He does not take aspirin or clopidogrel or NSAIDs and has no alcohol use. He does take metformin, uh, dapagliflozin, dapagliflozin uh, sacubitril-valsartan, metoprolol, and luprolide. So in summary, he's got a CHADSVASC of four, um, and he has a HASBLED of three. So how do you approach uh, his anticoagulation?
1: Yeah, well, let's let's go through some of the clinical practice data, and then we'll maybe come back to this patient. So, there, the study Aristophanes was uh, uh, over included a population of um, really over 180 million patients from a variety of claims-based data sets. So, this is a huge study that makes it possible to investigate agent-specific differences in stroke and bleeding, where head-to-head trials may not really be available, and it also includes patient populations that are typically excluded from the, um, from the clinical trials that we see. And so once they took this population and created a propensity-matched data set, they had over 400,000 patients that were on anticoagulation. And what this showed was that when you compare the rates of stroke and major bleeding in the randomized trials, versus the Aristophanes clinical practice population, what you see is that there are certainly higher risk patient populations. So overall, the rates of stroke from Aristophanes and the randomized clinical trials are relatively similar. The bleeding rates, major bleeding rates are higher in clinical practice than they are in the randomized controlled trials. And then certainly, as you move from the general population, Aristophanes, to the patients with severe obesity, on to patients with active cancer, and on to patients who are older and more frail, what we see is that these patient populations are really higher risk patients. They have higher rates of stroke and systemic embolism relative to the clinical trials, and they have significantly higher rates of major bleeding as well.
2: And so that that's really helpful. The Aristophanes population is really instructive in how we think about applying clinical trial data to our day-to-day practice. So, so thank you for doing that, Sean. Um, is, is that the only one? Are there other real-world data sets that give us other information about how to apply these data?
1: Yeah. So Aristophanes, as I mentioned, was really a US-based study. And there's a study in Europe called Naxos that was a French national health system Study and included over three hundred thousand patients that were on anticoagulation. And so again, it's a very large database now, based out of Europe, and they analyzed outcomes for all patients with atrial fibrillation who were new users of anticoagulation. the The results were really similar to what we saw with the randomized control trials, and similar to what we saw with Aristophanes. And so again, emphasizing the fact that um, that patients who are in clinical practice, tend to have higher rates of bleeding, um, tend to have higher rates of stroke, really across Aristophanes and across Naxos, what we see is lower rates of bleeding with apixaban relative to the other agents. So I would say, you know, based on that, getting back to our case, and, and this patient, again, has chronic kidney disease, um, we would say that, that his risk scores when you when you think about this you know he's a, at much higher risk of bleeding and stroke similar to the higher risk patients in Aristophanes, such as the patients with cancer or patients with frailty and and we know that these patients are at high risk of stroke and that they're at high risk of bleeding as well and so this is a patient that i would put on a Pixaban, and i would um, put them on the five milligram dose because they only have one risk factor for reduction or one dose reduction criteria which is their creatinine.
2: That's a really good point. It's important to remember that there are those three criteria, um, weight less than 60 kilograms, age greater than or equal to 80, and creatinine greater than 1.5, that really only when two of those exist should we dose reduce. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of inappropriate dose reduction in my practice.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, as, as you mentioned in another session, what we see is when patients dose reduce, they actually increase their stroke risk and they don't reduce their bleeding risk. Similarly, when you accidentally overdose patients, you don't reduce their stroke risk further, you just simply increase their bleeding risk. So in conclusion, I would say that studies from clinical practice largely confirm the generalizability of anticoagulation from the randomized control trials. And clinical practice data likely be the only evidence available for patients with certain complex or less common clinical characteristics and the findings that we've seen from clinical practice for anticoagulation with atrial fibrillation suggests that across a broad spectrum of patients apixaban and dabigatran really result in lower rates of bleeding relative to rivaroxaban and warfarin again potentially with respect to rivaroxaban maybe be related to that once daily dosing and the higher peak that they require to get um, a more consistent area under the curve. Very few patients require dose reduction and we should only dose reduce patients that truly meet criteria. It's important to consistently check these patients' kidney function. So coming up in our next episode, we'll discuss the hot topic of consumer wearables and the possibility of how to open up those into your clinical practice.
0: This activity is certified by Penn State College of Medicine for Physicians and by PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education, for nurses and pharmacists. This activity is developed in collaboration with our educational partner, PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Remember to download the slides and practice aids. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to listen to the other episodes in this Masterclass series and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com forward slash WQZ 860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available online. This activity is supported by an educational grant from the Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer Alliance.